All right, guys, welcome back to Within Tolerance. This is episode 61, and I'm joined with Dylan once again, and this is just going to be us two talking once again. We'll be announcing the meme contest or just our one-year contest in a Instagram post probably in the next couple of days. We have, at, by the time you're listening to this, the winners have been picked, but we just have, I want to give it a little bit of time before we, I don't want to double post in a day. I've learned that that just doesn't work, so going to give that a couple days. But without further ado, Dylan, what is up in your world? Uh, things are going well. We, we've been staying really busy. Brad's gone for this week on vacation. So I've just been in the shop uh, running. Actually, I'm running more of those grills. And so I had lots of long, long cycle time. So I got to read all of the E-Myth this last weekend and yesterday. Ooh, you um, read the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knocked it out. I mean, it's not that long, so I figured I might as well. And the parts take an hour apiece, so I've had plenty of time. I like did a oh, bunch wow. of cleaning and a bunch of other stuff, and I was like, "All right, time to time to read." Um, yeah, I've got like sixty pages left, or something like that. Nice. Yeah, I, I know right around where you are then. Um, but yeah, so I, I, you know we're staying busy. Um, a lot of infrastructure stuff this week. Like I. Um, I'll, I, I guess I can talk about it now instead of in our what you researched. But Jake Yates reached out and was like, hey, I heard your whole thing about using a sheets to track orders or whatever. He's like, you should really look into Airtable. And like I had heard Airtable. Um, I think some other podcasts had mentioned it. Um, and it's just like a kind of database driven online. uh sheets kind of thing um but it it's oh it's so cool like it, it's all database driven so it knows what's going on you can filter by things you can create forms that fill in um articles in that uh and then on top of it he tipped me off to this thing called zapier which is like a automation like they ha already have all these automation scripts built so that you can for example the way i'm using it right now is anytime I accept a quote or a customer accepts a quote in zero, I have it automatically populating a record in my Airtable in my open orders thing. And it fills in like the part details, quantities, due date, all that stuff automatically. And so like the second a, a quote is accepted, bam, my list, you know, in my inspection room now, ha now has that on the list. And it's all organized by due date, so I can see what's most urgent. Um, I've got check boxes for, like, is the material ordered? Is the material received? Is the tooling ordered? Is the tooling received? Is it completed? And then when I check it completed, it filters out of that view and into a view of uh, completed orders. So it, it, I haven't even barely started to dig into it and i'm just like so grateful to jake for reaching out because it's it's gonna be awesome like i i've got a book for to buy things for tasks for projects and he kind of you know held my hand through all of this and made it really easy so um i think it's really gonna be a it's, it's like erp light i guess um like it, it doesn't do everything but it does a lot of stuff and right now, like I, I'm not attaching any files to it and I only have one book, so it's free and I'm going to probably going to end up having to pay for Zapier because zero is a 
premium app is how they quantify it. Um, but even then, I think it'll be like 15 or 20 bucks a month. And I'll have all this, I'll have access to a lot more automation too. Like I can have it read emails and auto create tasks for me to, you know, create quotes, or I can have it text me with like open orders that are due in the next six days or, you know, how, however I want to do it. Um, and it's all really easy to set up. It's more or less just point and click. It's funny because when, whenever I started talking about inventory, he sent me um, a whole bunch of messages, same thing. And this is where I got into like the whole low inventory, you know, like alerts or whatever. And he uses that and he showed me how he does it for his like product sides of things. So it's cool to see how he's using it on like his, cause I know he does job shop stuff now. So like, it's just funny. You, I've been through this exact conversation with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how user-friendly it is too. Like to set up the zap, like what Zapier calls their automations took me literally 45 seconds yeah i remember looking at their website it's pretty straightforward it's like what do you want to do this to this okay yeah you're like what's the trigger and and i was like a quote and then i was like what about the quote i was like it's accepted and it's like okay what do you want it to do and i was like create a record in this this book and it's like okay um do these fields look like they line up and i'm like yep and he's like okay done so let's, let's do a test so what triggers you say, you know, quote gets accepted. How does mm-hmm. it know that it got accepted? So it's every, I think, 15 minutes scanning my zero account for that trigger. So the zero, but what is it looking for? Is it looking for an email? No, it's just looking like it's actually looking at my zero account to see an order accepted. Um, and I don't know what the back end looks like on zero, but uh, I'm, you know, whatever their API is zap Zapier already has a hook into that. And so it just sees the trigger of, okay, this order is accepted, grab all the order information and dump it into your air table. Okay. Yeah. So, and, but I mean, it can do so much like they have, I, I was just really surprised with like everything that you can do on their zaps. Like they've got, well, then I'm bringing up the, the thing like they've got like an email parser so it can read through your emails or emails that you send it. Um, it has like it can send emails for you. It can schedule stuff for you. Um, like, you know, the, the basic one that they send you in an email is like, oh, you can just have it text you the weather every morning if you want it to. Um, so there's like so much that it can do and it can like link into your Squarespace or your, uh, you know, Salesforce, which I guess, or like MailChimp, which is like, you know, email blast software. Um, it could hook into Gmail. It could hook into pretty much, I have yet to see something like it, the only things I have, I've seen that it won't hook into is like real high end, um, ERP systems like SAP. It, they have a thing for it, but nothing is set up yet. Um, I think they're waiting for somebody to like pay for it pretty much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy. And like you can get by with the free version as long as the app that you're hooking into is not a premium app. You can get by with the free version. And I think you get up to like five zaps or something like that for free. Okay. Um, and they update every 15 minutes and it'll... Let's see. Hold on. I'm, I'm pulling up the plans right now just so I can speak intelligently about this. <laughs> yes. Okay. So 
for free, you can do a hundred tasks a month. So if you have like one zap, it can operate a hundred times a month before you run out of zaps pretty much. Um, okay. there's a 15 minute update time and you have five different automations that you can create. Um, and I'm going to have to go up to the $20 a month one, which is the starter. Cause that includes the premium apps. And then you get 20 zaps, you get 750 tasks a month, um, filters, formatters, connections via webhooks, multi-step zaps. So like you can say, if this does this and this does this do this, you know, or something like that. Um, it's more or less just like if this, then that kind of stuff, but it's all automatically already programmed for you and takes care of all of the actual programming. You just tell it what you want it to do more or less. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, super cool. Um, I think it's going to save us a ton of time. I already accepted an order yesterday. Like I, I had the customer call and ask some questions and be like, okay, yeah, I want to give you the go ahead. And so I hit accept and then like, Within two minutes, it had popped up in my Airtable in the office. And I was like, this is awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And like what I want to do, uh, it's going to take some more work is I want, like there's a, a few customers that when I ship parts, I bag and tag everything. And so I have to print out labels and write them. And I, I want to find a way where when I confirm or complete an order for that company that it auto generates and prints the stickers for me. Um, and it might take a little more automation on my end because that's not a web app, but we'll, we'll see. Um, I think it, it's just opened my eyes, like how much I can automate and all that stuff. Yeah, that, that'd be cool if you could do that. Yeah. Um, and then besides that. I haven't had a chance yet to run the riser for my tool setter, but I have the material and I've got it programmed. I just need to, as soon as these grills are done, um, I'll probably run one of those real quick. And then uh, my goal is set to have that thing on by the time you come down and visit me. So yeah, you got like 20 some days, you got like three weeks. <laughs> I think that there shouldn't be a problem. Um, I'm, I'm finally starting to feel a little more, <sighs> not that I'm not like, feeling behind on some stuff, but I, I don't know. I just feel like I have a better grasp this month than I did last month. Fair enough. So what about you? Now that you got out from your, your hole, how my has, rut. yeah, <laughs> my ditch, <laughs> how has brick tactical been? It's weird. It, not, I've, I think I talked about this. It's weird not accepting certain work and turning it down, but it's also now getting to the point where it's almost kind of easy to be like, like basically tell people like I'm not doing custom jobs right now. And I'm doing one custom job right now, actually, that's injection molding related. And it, it just works because I started paying one of my friends to come help me mold my products. And that's been a huge, just total win. You know, he came his first day. And I think he molded, I want to say it's like 1600 parts in five hours. Um, and, you know, I pay him hourly and it just like the amount, like if I sell these guns for a dollar each, which I do, some are a dollar, some are $2, whatever. And, you know, he made, let's say for talking purposes, like $2,000 in a day in five hours of working. And I paid him hourly. And it's like, I will gladly do that. Like, that is just such a win for, you know, I pay him a good hourly wage and the company 
has a bunch of inventory now that I didn't have to do anything about. And it's like, that's, this is just like why employees exist. Like I can't do everything myself and I shouldn't do everything myself. Um, and I'm starting to learn that. And, you know, I mentioned that on my story and Kelvin swiped up. He's like, this is the magic of employees. And I'm like, this is the nice, this is like really nice. Um, and so since then he's came and worked for me for like, I want to say probably 20 hours this past week. Um, and it's just been stocking up my own inventory. And then this custom job is, um, around 5,000 parts need to be molded. And I'm just like, I quoted it with like thinking, okay, how, how many could I make an hour, but how many realistically could someone else make an hour? Because like, you know, I, I should not be standing in front of a molding machine for eight, 16 hours a day. Like that's, it sounds dumb to say, but it's like past my pay grade. Like that's just not what I should be doing. Um, with so time. that brings up a question. Has he made a mistake yet? And how much did it cost you? This is, I know this is a good question. So no mistakes. I mean, yes, there's mistakes, but it's all learning. Like one thing he was doing, like it's all the little things. And it's so, I mean, you read the e-myth, like make a process that you don't have to be like in the process. Like anyone can go in the system and work the system. You're not the system, right? Totally. And yeah. that just resonates so hard with me. So like one time I go down there just to check on him and he's like, these guns I'm making, they're looking weird. And it's because the plastic had moisture in them. And I was like, that's weird because I bake the plastic and get the moisture out. And I was like, you know, we were just talking and he's like, yeah, I'm almost out of plastic. I've been picking up all the pellets around the machine and putting them in. And I'm like, oh, so you were picking up like, all these old like basically contaminated pellets that were like all over the place and using them like we don't do that <laughs> like <laughs> if it falls like it's contaminated it's garbage like it's not worth your time to even pick this stuff up um and he's like oh okay and like it was like okay like i never would have thought when i was showing him how to run the machine like to say that or think that um but like now he knows and so it's like how do i prevent the next guy from not doing that or you know how do i make that obvious and clear um and actually i was running a mold while he was making these parts and he was just curious about like how small the end mills were because he i went to school with him and he's worked in an aerospace company you know he's ran like those dmg mori machines that like you walk into right like huge parts um and so he was like so i was showing him my 15 thou ball mill that like is the smallest tool i use and he like reached i'm like i tool change to it and i show him i open the door and i'm like like now find the tool and he has to like look in there because you have to like see it at the right angle otherwise you can't see it and this this just never would have occurred to me he goes and he reaches in there to like touch it like you know like picture if you have a drill and like you know you kind of like tap the tip of the drill just mm -hmm. with your finger he does that to this tool and luckily it didn't break, but I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like we don't do that. Like, <laughs> like that's like a $60 tool. We don't just like touch that. Like I'm going to have to re-indicate it now. <laughs> I totally thought you were going to say that he stabbed himself with it. So. Oh no. <laughs> but I was like, it's like, it's like these little things. It's just like, oh, I need to like 
I know not to do that, but like, I need to be like more clear, I guess. Um, be like, here's the tool. Don't touch it. It sounds dumb, but like, I guess it's just one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's really interesting. Like seeing something through somebody else's eyes is always very interesting. You're like, Oh, I never would have thought to do that. Like, and at first you're just like, what are you, an idiot? Like, but at the yeah. same time, you're like, no, 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 no. I've got all the experience. Like he, I know better because I know what goes into it. He doesn't know any of that. So. Yeah. And it's, it's been a huge learning experience, but from a productivity standpoint, you know, I've got, well, a very large chunk of my inventory has been restocked and I don't have to do anything about it. And it was to the point where all I would do is I would, set him up with a mold. I would make sure all the settings are right on the machine. And it's like, it's the little things. So it's like, okay, on my machine, this is the manual injection molding machine. So, you know, there's a cooling time. And normally for, let's say one of these Lego guns, I can set the cooling time for like three seconds and it's cool. Like, and it's good to go. You can pull it out of the mold. And for me, that's normal. But I was like, you know what? Sometimes they're not fully cooled and they're gonna stick to one side of the mold versus the other and i'm like how can i just eliminate that problem completely and like so he doesn't have to think about that because like you said i know but he doesn't know how to like finesse it like that and so and he shouldn't have to know no one should have to know how to do that and so it's just one of those things that since i've learned and been there done that i understand it so i was like let's just bump the cooling time up to the max my machine can do of 10 seconds and yeah it adds cycle time but it's like every time the parts both stick to the same side of the mold they're cool they're not gonna flex or they're not gonna break and it's just like boom solved done don't ever think about it and it's just like those types of things i'm starting to try to pick away at that's awesome yeah, so now I finished this mold today for this customer, and it's funny. Like, if I if, if it wasn't five thousand parts, I'd probably be running this mo- right now myself. But I'm like, I'm not gonna be running five thousand parts. Like, that's gonna take me like a lot. Like, that's gonna be like forty hours of work. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. So I'm. I worked with the customer. We made some changes to the part, and I'm gonna recut the mold, which will take like a day or so, but it's going to just allow the parts to come out easier. They're going to be better and my buddy can help run them and I don't have to worry about it. So I much rather put the time up front to fix it than to try to hack my way through this many parts. Totally. Yeah. No, it's totally, I mean, you, you've got to do that, that kind of stuff for sure. Yeah. So it's, it's good. And it was weird. I really wanted to get this mold going like, this past weekend, like Friday. And I was like, no, I'm like, I stopped machining Monday. Was it Monday to Monday? I think it was. I'm like, I'm not like as badly as I want to get kind of ahead on this job. I'm like, there's no rush. Like, don't touch your machine for a week, Peyton, just like chill. (laughs) (laughs) And so I did, which, and that's the thing that I'm very gracious um, and grateful, I guess, to be able to do. Cause like for you, you know, just in the scenarios where in like, if you just didn't touch one of your machines for a week, like that'd be a problem. Yeah. I just don't make any money. Exactly. Windows turning pretty much. Yeah. And so like, it's completely like for me, I kind of have to like rewire my brain for 
you know, however long and be like, okay, like it's fine. Like work on the Lego side of things. No big deal. Um, but yeah, it's, it's set up now. My machine's set up kind of how it was, you know, all the mold tools are standard now. And like, I'm going to, after this podcast, start this other mold up and it'll run while I sleep. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. That's good. I'm, I, you, you sound much less stressed. Dude, I, this sounds so dumb and I'm not, I wasn't, I was going to not say this on the podcast, but I've learned that at this point we both kind of have a personal brand of just like how we talk, who we are on Instagram and through the podcast. So like, I feel like people would find it interesting and maybe valuable, but like the past, like yesterday, I would say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then some of the days on the weekend, probably some of my highest moments of this year for sure if not of my life and i was just like this is like perfect like it is like total balance because one of the days i'm like all right i want to hang out with some friends later so how can i still get stuff done and still live a little bit right instead of just basically ruling out the live a little bit part and <laughs> i was like how about this i'll get up at 5 30 i'll be up and going by six my buddy's going to come at seven and work for five hours. So I'm going to get things rolling, get the machine running. Okay. He shows up. He's working for five hours while I'm doing other work that he can't do at the moment. And then it's like, I got basically double the amount of stuff done. And then I still worked for four more hours. I was done working at four and I was out hanging with friends, skateboarding, doing all that stuff to like two in the morning. And it was just like, perfect. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're mastering that work-life balance a little more. It's like, I'm telling you, this E-Myth book, I don't know, we'll talk about that here in a second, but like, it's just changed how I look at things and how, like, I made a list on this whiteboard that I'm looking at right now. And it's like, all the jobs in my business that I do, but that I shouldn't do or I don't like to do. And like, one of them is molding parts like i don't mind it but why should the this sounds so dumb and i hate talking like this but i guess i gotta grow up at some point the head and the owner of the company that you know i'm only the only guy but like i shouldn't <laughs> be doing that like that's just not my job anymore um like they can't write the checks they can't do the financing like my employees can't you know, create new products or at least to my standards yet. Um, and so it's just like, I need to start, what is the, uh, the phrase eliminate, automate, delegate. I need to start delegating some of these tasks to people that aren't me. And so my next on my list is packing orders. I really enjoy it, but it's a total time sink. Um, I really like the idea of seeing product being moved and, but the problem is it's just a time sink. And so with this inventory system I've been working on the past week, like it's going to get to a point where I could be like, hey, stranger, go pack orders. And that's exactly how it should be. Oh, yeah. So why don't you talk about that? I saw you, I think, on your story or something about your stickers and all that. Yeah. So I got these Uline bins and... Basically, a couple things. I have this room and it's got shelves in it. I have these like 
they're like shoebox sized clear bins. They're like a dollar a piece at Target. They're super cheap. They're super great. They're from Sterilite. And I could fit, I don't know, I probably had like uh, 40, 50 of these bins. And I'd put all my package figures or packs of whatever in them. And they were great. But as I showed on some Instagram stories a couple days ago, like you're always opening the lids. You're always reaching in there, fumbling around. And then it's like, if let's say there's two bins stacked. You're lifting up the top bin to get into the bottom bin. And it's just like a mess. And it's just a waste of time. So I was like, how can I fix this? First thing I did was I took all the lids off and I just left it so there's just rows of them. There's not They're not stacked anymore, which cut in half my space, basically, because I'm not taking advantage of that height anymore of these shelves. But now I'm just grabbing and going and there's no fumbling around, which was great. But then I started to realize I'm like, I forgot that like half my website sold out. That's going to change very quickly. And I'm going to need spaces to put this stuff like mm-hmm. seriously. Um, and so I was like, I need that space back, but I'm not going back to these freaking bins. Like, and this is still something I'm dealing with right now. And so I got 36 of these, basically, I would say two thirds of the size of these bins from Uline that they stack and they've got like an opening in the front. Like everybody uses these and those are working great. I really ordered the wrong size, but for, I spent like $200 on these bins. They're like four bucks a piece and like shipping was like 40 bucks or something. And it's like, do I really want to send them back? And like, no, I'll I'll make them work. So I'm going to keep these ones. And the ones that I really should have bought were like eight bucks a piece. And I'm like, that's kind of pricey. Like (laughs) compared to a dollar, like I need to figure this out. So I'm still thinking about that. But basically now on one shelf, I'm looking at it right now. One shelf, I used to have maybe, let's see, maybe 10 or 12 of these bins if I stacked them up too high, which was the old system. Now I've got 36 on one shelf. Um, And so now I'm just grabbing and going. And so that's kind of the new idea is to kind of switch over to that system. And then what I really want to do is get velcro and then just print out some big numbers to put on each bin so it's going to be like bin one bin two bin three so on and so forth and so when ship station that's hooked up to my shopify prints out an invoice it says the product and i have an option of putting like a SKU number so i could put you know um world war ii american soldier um bin three and you know vietnam soldier bin five etc etc and so Anybody can look at this invoice and say, that's the product. That's where it's at. It's right here. Grab it, go check it off, move on. And what's nice is the reason I want to do the Velcro is in case I want to move these around. um, I just want it to be as versatile as possible and flexible as possible. But I really am excited about that because it's going to be the point where I could be like, hey, sister, like, come pack orders. And she, like, there should be no problems. Yeah, totally. I think that'll be, I mean, th- those are the parts of your business that are like the absolute easiest to delegate to. Yeah, exactly. So that's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, I'm thinking like so far ahead now, 
with like if I could get an employee to like, I mean, just the value of an employee is so huge. You know, I could be, honestly, I've thought about, I've had people ask me to do job shop parts and I turn them down, but then I'm like, wait a minute, like this could actually be interesting test. Like you want a hundred parts. They're pretty simple. Like my buddy has machine shop experience. Like, you know, if the price is right, like it might make sense to bring some of that back for him just to run. Um, and I don't even have to be involved. Like I'll set it up and program it, but you know, he can be the button pusher. Right. Yeah. And so you've got a friend to run parts for you too, or a cousin or something, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like you can start to delegate these jobs and then, cause my ideal world would be, like, I want to think of the next product. I want to prototype it, design it, like make the first couple. Like, I enjoy that. But when you give me a job or when you're like, Peyton, your AK-47 is out of stock. Make 500 of them. I'm like, ugh, not again. Like, that's just not fun to me. Like, I don't like running production. And like I've said before, like, I shouldn't be the one doing that. Yeah. Well, and I think what you just said illustrates a very clear thing that you need to focus on next, which is inventory management and alerts. Yes. Cause you and know, it's not a, it won't be stressful if you're like, Oh, I've got 50 left of these and I know I sell roughly this much a month. I'll start making them now. You exactly. Know, like, oh, well, if I got to push them off the machine, I can do that because I still have 50 left. Yeah. And so like kind of jumping around kind of like we both or like you did here. One of the things I was researching is like, there's this like two bin system that everyone talks about. I don't know if you've seen that. Mm -mm. It's like, if you look it up on YouTube, picture like a shelf and just like these bins I'm talking about, like there was some video that someone did on like dental equipment or something at like a dentist place. And it's like, you have all these different products, like your latex gloves, like whatever you would need. And you have a bin in front and you have a bin directly behind it. And the second you take the last good or product out of that first bin you take that whole bin off the shelf and pull that second bin forward and that's like your emergency inventory oh um, yeah it's just kanban like it's yeah. the same thing as like jay pearson does with his kanban cards and uh what they call them uh, cookie crumbs or breadcrumbs <laughs> breadcrumbs yeah and so but the idea being all on like one shelf versus like from at least my knowledge, like the breadcrumb system, like that your breadcrumbs could be anywhere, um, like in your facility, which I never understood the reason for that. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't just have it right next to your normal inventory, but. Well, I mean, think about your shelf right now. You couldn't fit two bins back to back. Yeah, it depends on the bin size, but yeah. Well, keeping your same bin size, like you can fit two of them. So you could have a bunch of bins stacked in a drawer somewhere. That, that that's your breadcrumbs. That's true. So it's like, I'm trying to figure out if there's any value to some of these systems that I can kind of implement, but I really think that, okay, if I make a hundred products, I double, triple count. Yes, there's a hundred. I update the website, there's a hundred. Okay. Like you said, I know this is a popular product or I know this is a slow product and email me when I get down to 20 because I know 20 is going to take me about two weeks to sell. And that's how long it takes me to make another hundred. Yeah. Well, and I would, I don't know about the Shopify 
inventory add-on or whatever, but it should be able to give you historical data too. So like after a year or two, you should know long ahead, like how many you're going to sell each month and like what your curves look like over the months. Like, oh, like July and, and, you know, August are very busy for me for some reason. And then it tapers off and then it goes back up towards Christmas or something like that. So like, you know, within a couple of years of having an inventory system, you should have some pretty, a pretty good idea of like what historically is going to happen. Yeah, I'm looking at my Shopify right now. They're, they have a lot of analytics that I really need to be looking into more. Um, just yeah, from... and you're paying for them, so you might as well use them. Yeah, and some of these I know I don't have access to, but they kind of like tease you and make you pay. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, what is this? Percent of inventory sold. Huh. Yeah, so there's all sorts of stuff in here. Yeah, so I, I think that, you know, that, again, it's it's like having an automated employee. Like, you don't need a, a, a person tracking your inventory if it's done automatically and you get an email alert that you need to re-up on something. Yeah, and I'm trying to move towards as much of that as I possibly can. And I'm just looking at my whiteboard. Yeah, so, like, the next thing... And I'm really thinking about this. So I have my UV printer upstairs in like my office room and I'm really debating moving it downstairs in the garage where if it was set up to run parts, like there's no reason my buddy couldn't be molding. And then every five minutes or 10 minutes, he loads the UV printer and hits go again. Um, like that, I feel like that would just make more sense. Um, it's nice having it up here. Cause like just, convenience it's like it's right here i can like listen to music while i'm printing or doing emails or whatever but like i gotta start kind of thinking real world here yeah 100 percent. and you're already paying him for his time so exactly 100 percent makes sense um, yeah. i think as long as your uv printer isn't affected by temperature change yep. all that much then that's really the only thing you got to worry about yeah that's the the only concern is this ink is so freaking expensive and um, as, as long as this machine's running, if I can keep this machine running, like job wise, like it's a really happy machine, but it's the second it sits for a week or two at a time is where things just get annoying really quickly. Well, what you should start doing right now is saving all of your screw ups or at least like one example of every kind of screw up. And then you can tape them all to a sheet or something and show an employee, like, if it looks like this, stop. If it looks like this, stop. If it looks, you know, if the ink starts doing this, make sure to stop or make sure to do this. Like, you, you it sounds like you produce enough examples of what can go wrong that you should <laughs> at least keep one of every kind and be able to show somebody. That's a good point. I do have, I keep most of them because if I screw up on, let's say, I'm printing a Lego head and it's like, well... I could still like rotate this like three more times and use it as a test piece because um, there's still surface area that you can test on. So I most of that stuff I keep and I actually started doing that for molding a while ago. I was like, whatever they call them short shots. If you have a part that the plastic doesn't fully fill the cavity. So let's say picture a gun without like a fully formed barrel like that'd be a short shot. And I keep those and I'm like with like the really annoying molds, some of them 
are kind of temperamental. I'm like, okay, look out in this trigger guard. Like the trigger doesn't like to be formed all the way. So we got to watch our temperature or, you know, so I've been doing that on that side of things, but I never thought about it really seriously about the printing. Yeah. Well, I mean, until now you haven't thought about having somebody do it for you either. So it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, to, to jump around some more, um, that Chrome bit that I mentioned last time we talked, which seems forever ago, uh, do not buy that. Uh Oh, anybody listening. Yeah. So it, it works great. Like it worked. It was super fast for what it was. Like I only needed it to show a web page and I was like, Oh, this thing's great. It boots up super quick. It's all connected with Google. Um, and then like three days into using it, a notification came up that said, Oh, your end of life is November of 2020. I was like, huh? And so I clicked <laughs> on it and it's like, Oh yeah. Chrome has decided to no longer support lower end ones from this era. And it's like, so your end of security updates and Chrome updates are, is November of 2020. And I was like, Oh, hard pass sending that back right now. Wow. Yeah. And so thankfully we had our old, uh, CAD cam P- PC just sitting in the office. And so I was like, Oh, I'll just hook that up. And so we hooked that up and now that that's our, uh, office computer. But, um, yeah, I was like super frustrated cause it was, it was just, it's so nice cause it was all integrated. Like it, it was just literally a stick sticking out of the, uh, HDMI port. But then it, that notification came up and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And there's nothing on the, the Amazon page that says that or anything like that. And then you go to like you got to dig down to the like Chrome support and then it's like, Oh yeah, here's the end of life for every Chromebook and every Chrome stick and everything that's out. And like, you know, most of the new ones are like, Oh, 2025 or 2028. And I was like, Oh, well that would have been fine. But yeah, this one was November of 2020. And I was like, great. <laughs> Fantastic. That's one thing I've been thinking about is it'd be nice to have a little laptop or something in my inventory room. So like I don't have to print, shipping labels from ship station like whoever packs orders just has a computer it's like there they just do it yeah i think it's totally worth it i mean Um, computers are so cheap nowadays it's ridiculous yeah exactly Uh, i I mean we had like the nice thing about actually changing over from that chrome bit to our old cad cam pc is like now i've got fusion in the office too so like if i need to pull something up and measure something while i'm in inspection i can do that yeah that's true so it, it all worked out, but it was just frustrating, you know, one of those that, things. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there, there was just like zero communication in the ad or anything like that. Um, like everything, it was rated super well and no mention of it at all. So anyway, if you're listening, I know I had one or two people reach out about that. Um, and I was like, definitely do not get that. <laughs> and like what sucks is like the Chrome bit was... 60 bucks or something and like the nearest chrome box is 250 dollars or something like that yeah i was like nah hard pass yeah that's too bad yeah you know it is what it is um oh the other story i had on here was the probing issue i had last week last weekend so I, i let's see it was not this week it was last week so the last weekend i was probing no problem you know everything was working fine and then i want to say sunday maybe it was saturday um all of a sudden i kept getting this macro error 
every time I tried to run an in-process probing cycle. Like I could run my manual probing, no problem. But every time I tried to refine a part in the middle of an operation, it would give me a macro error. And I, you know, I e- emailed my tech over at Yamazin and he responded back to me. He's like, I've never seen that. Like, you know, give me a call after work and we'll, we'll see what we can do. And we spent like, I don't know, two, maybe three hours on the phone together going through everything. And like I could copy the piece of the code that was erroring out to its own program and it would work fine. Um, and then like three hours into it, I look at the top of the screen and I'm like, is it supposed to say extended memory operation? And he was like, no, you don't have the extended memory option, do you? And I was like, no. And then we dug into it a little bit more. And it turns out that the brother controls any program over two megabytes runs an extended memory operation, which is the same to the control as tape operation. Um, and you can't run anything macro related in tape operation. And huh. so, um, it, but then it turned out I talked to, I was both talking to my tech and to Greg and Greg was like, Oh yeah. Like, didn't you change the the option to have eight megabyte programs? And I was like, no, nobody ever told me about that. Like nobody's as far as I like, nobody's said anything about that. And so I found, Apparently, it's only in the newer C0 controls, but you can turn on one of the user parameters and you go from two megabyte programs to eight megabyte programs. So like it worked perfectly fine after that. That's just one of those totally random things. (laughs) It was so frustrating because like it, you know, it's not like I, I usually don't run programs that big. It was only because I was surfacing something at a super fine step over and I was able to, you know, I probably could have gotten by without probing. Like I, I, they were in soft jaws anyway. I just wanted to make them absolutely perfect parts. And, uh, I'm glad that we figured it out. I'm glad that we explored that. And like, now I know what's going on, but it was, it was just bizarre. Like, and it was only because I had found a somewhat related practical machinist post in the earlier in the day that was talking about a two megabyte limit, but like, I didn't put two and two together. Um, until I saw that extended memory thing. And then uh, my tech looked it up in his manual. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. It says here an extended memory operation. Like you can't use H values or macro value values or anything like that. And then I was like, you got to be kidding me. This is so dumb. <laughs> and I, you know, I lost like almost an entire night of production. But um, anyway, I got him done. But I just thought it was like such an interesting little thing. Um, yeah, just absolutely bizarre. And I guess the reason that the option isn't automatically there is that like some of the older C0 control boards don't support the eight megabyte programs, but the newer ones do. So anyway, I flipped that. I got eight megabyte programs now. I can run probing. Um, If I wasn't running probing in the the cycle, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. Like I could have run a hundred megabyte program and it would have been fine. But... um, (laughs) It was only because I was trying to run a macro in the middle of that. Huh. Yeah, that's, I can't relate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that was, I think the next night was when I posted that uh, recalibrating my probes because like we had messed with a ton of values trying, like we tried everything. Like I did a million file compares on my macros versus like a fresh copy to see if anything had changed and nothing had changed. And it was just, it was insane. Absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, 
one thing I did realize, or I figured out that I didn't know, and and maybe some other listeners use VS code to look at their G code before they uh, send it over to the machine. But if you are in Microsoft VS code and you want to compare two files, if you hit F1 and start typing file compare, there is a file compare option that you can just hit and open the file that you want and it'll highlight all the changes between the two files. Yeah, good to know. Yeah. So. Let's see, I'm trying to think. Oh yeah, one random thing. I got a mop from Amazon and I'm all psyched out I got a mop. <laughs> yeah, I saw you, I think, I can't remember if you posted about that or not or something like that. Yeah, you posted in your stories, right? I think I did. Yeah. No, a good mop is is necessary for sure. Yeah, I got that classic yellow squeegee bucket thing. And uh-huh. I'm like, dude, I got some simple green and I'll mix that up. Ooh. Yep. It's gonna Th- that's good. the only way to go. All of the new fancy ringing mop buckets are just garbage. Like, Oh, the- that's right. Yeah, I posted that. I was like, anybody have suggestions? Yeah. No, the old one is is the way to go because they're like such thick plastic. Like they're made to last years. Oh, yeah. No, this thing is heavy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And like I, I've broken cheap mock buckets before trying to wring out a mop and like snap the handle off. Yep. <laughs> I, I can I can literally support my entire body weight on my handle on mine and it won't break. Yeah, that has a massive spring. It had like this from Amazon. It had this like string like holding the tension. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to cut this with some scissors. And I cut it with scissors and it goes just flying like four inches forward. I'm like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's pretty good. So, yeah, I'm excited to uh, do a deep clean. Yeah, for sure. That'd be awesome. All right. Should we go to questions? Sure. Well, yeah, we, uh, I don't know how much you wanted to talk about the E-Myth, too. Cause oh, I know. yeah. Yeah, let's do that. So you bought it, and I'm not done with it. And, I mean, I think I'm to the point where I've gotten pretty much everything out of it. Um, I'm curious to see, see these last couple chapters. Um, this la- Like, I'd say, like, the last 25% that I'm in right now is kind of, like, confusing. I'm like, why am I reading this? Um some of like these stories that he made or had and some of them I understood, but some of them I'm like, what am, what am I getting out of this? But I would say the first half is like, in my opinion, pure gold. Yeah, it's pretty good. I liked it. Um, I felt like it's some of it's a little dated. I feel like, yeah, Uh, especially coming into like the age of like computer automation that we're coming into now. Yeah. Um, but I, I liked it. Like, I, I think the biggest takeaway that I have, or one of the, the bigger takeaways that I've come off of it with is like, envision your business, how you want your customers to talk about you and uh-huh. like see you and then do everything to achieve that goal rather than like starting it like, Oh, well, I want to do this. Like, it doesn't matter what you want to do really. It, it matters like what, perception you want in the marketplace yeah uh, let me actually i wrote some notes about it because yeah so start from the outside in create the business that you want your customers to say about you and then work backwards from there and like do everything to support that goal um and so that that kind of focuses 
that definitely refocuses me again. Like I, I, I have had a very strong vision of what I want my company to be anyway, but that just like reinforced it and made me like kind of look at things again and where I need to spend time. Um, like I really, that that's one thing that I, I did not ring true with the book is like, Oh, delegate to the least experienced person. And like, I guess at one, at, at some point that's true, but like my company will be as automated as possible so that I can afford to hire a few good technicians that are at the top of their game. And I don't have to delegate to a bunch of low end employees. Like I think one of the been. things that he also mentioned though, cause I know what you're saying is like, where was it? It was like, if you create, and it's kind of like machining is hard when it comes to kind of some of the things they were talking about. And that's where I struggled. Cause I was trying to relate things. Um, and I was like, how can this relate to machining or at least certain parts of the book? And, you know, one of the things that, like I mentioned earlier, like that stood out to me was, okay. And he talked about this. I can't remember exactly what he said, but he was like, you know, it's not necessarily about like finding those McDonald's type workers, like the cheap labor to do the work, but it's the thought that like, if needed, like you could do that and like, this, there's systems in place so like the very experienced people do the really experienced things and it doesn't like crisscross and like why are you paying a machinist to like sweep the floors type thing yeah totally um and, and like that i i understood but um i also work in a production shop and i've seen what low even lower hanging fruit can like produce like you get a lot of people who second guess and don't play the game and I don't want that like robots don't talk back to you automated systems don't talk back to you they just do what you set up as a system and and that's it um and i'd much rather have like like I, i've always wanted to model myself i read this modern machine shop article when i was i think even before i started my business of straight line components i think it's called it's called and it's out of canada and they called themselves like a three and a half man shop because it was like a grandfather his son his son and his son and like the youngest son was like 12 or something like that. And they had a bunch of automated horizontals. And so they would go in for like half a day and unload and load parts in their pallet pools and then be done. Like they'd inspect parts and stuff and package parts. But besides that, all the machining was automated for the most part or relatively automated. And they were able to just like go about and do higher level business like programming and, and sales and all that stuff. So I've always seen that as like, Maybe not my exact goal because I don't like production that much. Um, but I was actually talking to our, our next week guest um, about this. And he asked like, oh, well, what, like, where do you see your business? Like, what, what's the end goal? And I was like, oh, I think like 50% prototyping, 20 to 30% production and the rest our own products. And so, um, yeah, again, it's just kind of refocused my goals and, and made me work backwards more from what I want our customers to see. And like, I, I don't think that automated machining is not our product. Like as, as the book describes, like your product is what your customers are actually buying. And it, like what they're buying is, is on time delivery, correct parts every time and like good communication. But like those things, automation will help me achieve those goals and not having a million employees that like are underfoot and constantly 
not playing the game how I want them to. Yeah, as long as you got something out of it and as long as you actually use that, you know, reassurance or that whatever you got out of it. Yeah. One, and I think the other important thing that I got was like the whole section on playing the game and like that you you have to have employees that respect you or even, you know, just a, a, whatever team you have has to respect the owner's vision and has to be committed to playing their game. like And understand it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that I feel like was the other really big takeaway. Um, less so in my business right now, but like that's something I, I brought up the book with my uh, boss at work and I was like, hey, I, I think you should read this. I think it's important and it, it, I can see a lot of things that we're almost executing on that we're not quite executing on that I think would make us you know, that much better. Um, and so she's she's going to read it. We might actually read it as an engineering team together. You know, sit down in a circle, crisscross applesauce. <laughs> <laughs> no, not a read aloud. <laughs> like a book club. So read, read a couple chapters and then get together and talk about it or something like that. Dylan, you mispronounced that word. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other note I had that I, it was just a little quip that he had in there was that continual improvement for the sake of improvement is pointless. And I really appreciated that because um, I think continual improvement is like part of the AS9100 standard, I want to say. Um, and, and I do see that like people are just like, oh, well, I've got to, I got to innovate every little thing because that's just, that's part of the standard. Um, but like, if you're not doing it for a reason, it's completely pointless. Like if there, there are problems that don't need to be solved because they're not actually problems. Yeah. Don't overthink it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's, that's what I got out of it. What about you? I kind of covered it already. At least I feel like it. I mean, I highlighted a bunch of stuff. It just, it was very weird to me. Some of the things that he goes over that at least in my specific spot in life and what I do for work, it just like reached out and was like, Hey Peyton, this book's talking to you right now. Like perk up and like, <laughs> like pay attention to what he's saying. And a lot of it was very relatable um, and I messaged John Grimsmo and we were talking back and forth a little bit and he was just like, I told you to read it. And I was like, I know you did, but like, I honestly feel like if I read this like two years ago at IMTS around that time, like it wouldn't have resonated cause I wasn't where I am now that like this really hit it, hit home. And I was like, okay, like I'm actually kind of glad I, I'm reading this now. Yeah, and I think it's something that I'm going to have to reread every couple of years. Because, um, like, I can... There were parts of it that didn't resonate with me because I can tell that I'm not there in my business. Um, like, that, I, he makes that whole big thing about, like, creating an organizational diagram and, and writing out these contracts for every position and blah, 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 blah. And, like, I, I don't see any value in that. Um, I definitely think that Brad and I need to have a better uh, division of labor and more concrete job titles, but I'm not going to sit down with him for an hour and like sign 20 pieces of paper to be like, yeah, these are my jobs. Like we, we both know what our jobs are. Um, and, and like, if we have a meeting about it, that that's all I need. Um, so I, I like the lesson behind the lesson there was like, have clear divisions of labor and have, you know, clear 
job titles. And like that, I completely agree with. And that's something that I need to do, but I'm not going to do exactly what he said, but like maybe in a few years when I have a few employees or like we grow bigger, maybe that will be necessary. So I, I definitely think I'll reread it every couple of years. Yeah. Like you said, I think it's timing. I think some of these things like that I mentioned that I don't understand. I'm like, how is this relevant to me at all? But I might read it in five years and I might have the same moment. I'm like, wow, like, you know, this is standing out to me just because of timing. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, you know, I think everybody who I've talked to who's read it has gotten something different out of it and has said like, oh, I should like, I think I was talking to Jake about it and he was like, yeah, you know, I haven't read in a long time and it didn't really hit home, but I, I think it's time to reread it. So it's all about, I, th- I feel like people, this might be a generalization. I know it is, but like, this might be a big one that like people have this idea that like, if they don't start getting these gold nuggets, like from the first chapter, then this book is not meant for me. But it's like, at least in my opinion, that if I can get a couple little gold nuggets out of this whole book, like it's worth it. Like that's what you're looking for. Yeah. Well, and it's written pretty conversationally, which I found pretty easy to read. And it's like 260 pages. So it's really not going to take that much time to read through it. Like if, like you said, if you get one gold nugget out of it, I think it's worth, you know, a couple hours of reading or whatever. Yeah. Um, And just to clarify, I'm looking at it. It was copyrighted in 95. So it is pretty old actually oh that that's that addition too um, yeah the book that he published it first in like 86 i think or something like yeah, that. yeah this is the revisited yeah um so uh yeah it's but it was good i really enjoyed it i think that he writes well um i oh so this came up i think it was daryl um that messaged me and asked me do you think that sarah is a real person that's something i keep thinking uh, I, I said, there's no way that she's a real person. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I think that all of that is a literary device, but it's good. And like it, she, her character illustrates the points and the way that she repeats his lessons back to him has clarified a lot of them to me. Like he, he'll talk for pages. And pages <laughs> yeah. And then like, I'll read her summary of it. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. That, that kind of wraps it up for me. So like, I, I, <laughs> I definitely don't think she's real, but I do think that um, it's a very good back and forth for the book. Sarah be like, so I need to sell more pies. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. like, I get it now. <laughs> yeah. Turn my business into a pie business. Be Got like, it. Be like, yeah. wait a minute. Probing? Oh, <laughs> apple pies. Yep. One in the same. <laughs> Basically, Sarah's the OG and I want to interview her on this podcast. <laughs> so um yeah it was really good one thing or one book i think you should read after this that i got like it was the first business book that i ever really enjoyed um was the goal okay i think it's eliyahu Goldrat is his name or something like that um it's definitely like a lot more basic uh a lesson but it's like written super well and it's just a story. It is not a, it's not even written like this book where the author is speaking to you. Like this is a hundred percent, a fictional story to illustrate a point. And it works. It's, it's, 
I, I really enjoyed it. Like I'll, I'll definitely reread it, uh, you know, every couple of years also. Um, and it just reminds you like, it, I think it, it definitely hits home for me because I work in a shop where like people are chasing a lot of goals. Like they think what they think the goal of the business is when really there is only one goal to a business. And so I, that's a, it, that's also a really quick read. I want to say it's maybe 200 pages or something like that. And that one I read maybe in a day, day and a half. Like it was super, super quick. Okay. So that oh, it's 143 pages. So you can knock it out in a weekend. It's like really fun to listen or read. Um, but I, yeah, I just ordered Jocko Wilnick's book. That's yep. my next book to read. Cause like they're all reading it. Um, our management team at work is already doing that book club thing and they're reading his first one. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head right now, but so I, I I'm going to read that one next and then we'll what's see what that one by Tim Ferriss, the four hour work week or something like that. Yeah. 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 I want to check that out. Everyone keeps talking about that. I'll probably get there eventually. I, I find like so many of these business books to be really dull. Yeah. That's one thing that has kept me like I've got a stack of probably three or four books on my bedside table that I bought because they were recommended to me and I just I can't get into them. And maybe maybe it's just because I haven't gone far enough. Um, But like one of them was Traction, which I've heard is really good. Um, I can't remember the other two, two, but I don't know. Maybe I'll get around to them eventually. We'll see. I, I but I really liked I, I didn't think that the e-myth was like revolutionary. Like there was nothing in there that was like, oh man, I can apply this today and I'll be a millionaire by tomorrow. Like it's it's not that kind of book, um, which I think a lot of people hype it up to be, but I think it has some really, really good lessons in it and a really good way to reframe looking at your business. Yeah, I think for me and like you said, it didn't like say this is the answer, but I think... What it did for me is it kind of laid out a story and like a business and what really is a business? How do you start to finish maybe like what are what's involved with that? And, you know, for me, at least I'm trying to think I just had it what I was going to say, but like it just nothing was new about it, like making these dedicated processes, getting employees to do this, that like. That's not new information to me, but I think having all this information in one book and reading it all in one go, you know, I think that's what's valuable because it's like, yes, I know this, but like, I kind of forgot that that was a thing. Like, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's good. I would definitely recommend it to somebody starting a business, Even, even somebody working in a shop that has like, some managerial responsibility. Um, I think it's, it's important. Like the whole thing about playing, playing the game is like, I I think that there's far too many companies that fail because they have employees that don't believe the vision. And, um, and I think a lot of business owners fail at, at communicating their vision very well. Like they come up with these like really lofty BS mission statements that don't mean anything. And it's like, you know, I, I, I think that if more business owners were like, hey, this is the game we're playing. You do this or you don't work here rather than like, oh, well, I'll tolerate some bullshit like it. it, I think that a lot of more businesses would do well if they like just made it out to be like a game. 
like that. Like the, the game is to be the best at your job, whether it's cleaning toilets and emptying trash cans or running parts or inspecting or whatever. So, yeah, I, I like that part a lot. And I think that that's super important, even if you don't have your own business. Yep, I agree. All right, so let's jump into questions. All right, pick one. Um, all right, Tangent Darts asked, have y'all ever used Molly D or any molybdenum disulfide lubricant? I'm finding it incredibly incredible for tapping tungsten alloy and keeping my taps from drying too quickly, but it stinks like hell and I have to add a cleaning cycle before more machining. Can't say I've done any of that. Yeah, I've used Molly D. It's good stuff. Um, I think Drew posted about something from Hankstifers that he had that worked just as well, and I don't think it stunk nearly as much. So head over to his page if you want maybe a different option. Um, it works really well. Like I, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but like you can also get one of those uh, like manual machining little oil cans. And if you put it with a magnet on the bottom on your table and keep it out of the coolant spray, you can actually program your tap to go over there and dunk itself in the little Molly D thing and go and tap for you. So you never have to actually stop the program. Um, it takes a little bit of you know, effort and you might have to put up a little barrier or something to keep coolant out of the Molly D. But it also means that you can just press the button instead of having to do anything by hand. But Molly D works fantastic. It's just like, super nasty stuff. So yeah, that's what I got. (laughs) Yeah. Let's do this one from T five manufacturing. What brands are your compressors? Mine's got Dylan. Mine's an Eaton compressor. Um, It's decent. I think for a piston compressor, it's pretty decent, and especially for the price. But um, I don't know. I'm not saying that it's like the best compressor ever, but for the price, it's it's cheap and decent and has a good warranty. Yeah, that's about all you could ask for, really. Yeah, I want a rotary screw compressor, though. Yeah, I've got a... I'm so sick of this one. <laughs> I've got an Atlas Copco GX5, and... I love it. It's got extremely great reviews from everyone that I've used. And when I actually toured my local HFO, they had this massive horizontal machine, like ginormous, like couple million dollar machine. And then all these other machines all running on this tiny little compressor. It looked tiny. It was the same one I had, but just next to this horizontal, it looked like a freaking workbench. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there's like, you don't have to touch it for like 4,000 hours. And it's just super low maintenance yeah we'll probably end up getting a a screw compressor here sometime soon just because it sucks yeah Uh, you know if i have calls i have to go into the office because it's loud if it goes off um if i'm doing like recording a video for instagram or you know doing a video call with somebody i always have to like be like oh hold on a second i can't hear you or you can't hear me um so I don't know. It, it works though. Like it's, it's under their polar air. The one I have is under their polar air brand and it's supposed to be their quiet compressor, which it's, it was much quieter than our first piston compressor. But man, if, if you are looking at compressors 
don't even bother with piston compressors if you can afford it. Buy a rotary screw, even if it's a couple grand more, just save up for it or, or I don't know, put it on your credit card or something. Because like, unless, I let me put this caveat out there. If you can put your compressor outside or in a room or something like that, then that's fine. But if you are going to be in the same room as your compressor, make sure it's a, a rotary screw. Yeah, I mean, even mine, it's, it's definitely quieter than a, a piston, but it's not like dead silent. Um, no, but you'll see in 20 days what I mean. Yeah, I'm kind of... <laughs> I'll give you earplugs. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> it's It sucks. Yo, so. we can be out here COVID machining with masks on and everything. <laughs> we got to take yeah. a picture just for the heck of it like that. <laughs> oh, well, actually, I can bring up a funny story about that. So... Um, we will have a new run of shirts, the same ones as last time, maybe some new colors coming soon, hopefully, assuming testing goes well. But one of the options for their products you can put your logo on was math. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, that would be hilarious. Oh, but no. I'm not doing that. <laughs> so that'd be pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, let's see. From Fort Manufacturing... How do you, how to come up with product ideas that sell? Well, I can't tell you that. <laughs> that's the secret sauce? Yeah, that's in the e-myth. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you, just, <laughs> you find a need and you fill it. Pretty much. Find a problem, fix the problem. Yeah, well, and I mean, I don't know. I, I don't have any of my own products, but just looking at people with products, like you find a need and you hope that you build it like or you just like throw stuff against the wall until it works um like i don't know how many skew numbers you have that have you phased out because they don't work you know i mean i think coming up with a product there's multiple ways to look at it you can find a problem fix the problem uh normally that problem's already been fixed so maybe buy another product so try to do it better um you can always reinvent the wheel but that never goes over well. Um, I don't think you should get into like smartphone manufacturing. I just don't see that being successful. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're not China. Yeah, so. but like it's there's only so many things you could do, or you could just like make Lego stuff and like somehow make it work. Like that's kind of where I've ended up. So like there's so many things you can do. Just find something you enjoy. If you're a car guy, think of a car product. If you're a gun guy, think of a gun product. I mean, there's no reason to chase, like I was talking to, who was I talking to? Henry Holsters. And he was like, there's so much dumb money out there. Like, he's like, don't be the guy that makes X product. I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to offend people. But like, don't be that guy that like, oh, what did you do for the past 10 years of your life? Oh, well, I did this. That's it? You just made that one product? Yeah. Be like, wow, okay. <laughs> I mean, but on the, the flip side of that coin, if you make good money off of making, I don't know, pencils, like who cares? If you're happy, then who cares? But if you're making pencils just because of the check, I would argue with you. Yeah, I mean, if you make good money, if I if I could make a dumb product and make enough to afford a good machine shop and a place to play, like I don't care how dumb the product is, I would totally do it. Well, like, yeah, but <laughs> I'd, I'd have a place to play and, and money to spend, like. You could still come up with other products, but like, man, if you can find, it's all about finding your niche. Like that's, 
I mean, let, like who would have thought that you could afford a machine on making Lego stuff, right? Yeah, I guess. Like, and, and I mean, people feel that about everything. It's like there's people who are super into pens or knives or yo-yos or, you know, fidget spinners or, you know, we, we, we know all these people on Instagram that like have made giant companies and livings from like normal items that people just really enjoy. So just, I don't know, find something. If you can't find a need that you want to fill, find something that you like and just make a good version of it. And people will probably flock to you. Like there's enough of people out there with money that, you know, make a, a cool, I don't know, I guess key rings are played out, but like, you know, there's plenty of stuff that everybody likes, make a cool phone case, make a nice leather wallet or shoelaces or I don't know, you know, like everybody has stuff that they have every day and just make something that you like. Yup. Okay. What do we got? Um, let's see. Built by Hutch. Favorite drinks, alcoholic choice for Dylan, coffee or tea, Coke versus Pepsi. Go for it. Coffee or tea? Neither. Water. <laughs> <laughs> they both have water in them, yeah. Yeah. But like coffee or tea. <laughs> uh, I haven't tried either in years because I just did not like them. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, I... I drink both. I have like we, my girlfriend and I, as our Christmas gift to each other last year, the year before, uh, split a really nice espresso maker. So I, you know, make lattes and stuff all the time. And I like tea also, like chai tea and the other types of tea. Um, yeah, I, I like them both. I probably like coffee more than tea. What about Coke versus Pepsi? Neither. <laughs> Propel. Water, dude. I hate carbonation. Uh, I'm actually not a big uh, soda person either. Like, if I was going to drink Coke or Pepsi, it'd be like the Mexican Cokes in the glass bottle. Yeah. Because those are pretty good. Um, <laughs> and then, as far as alcoholic choice, uh, I think I've said it on a past one. Like, I like IPAs for beer, and then I like scotch and whiskey for hard alcohol. I guess I, I, yeah, yeah, mostly scotch and whiskey. Like we've got a really nice distiller in town called Hamilton Distillers and they make a whiskey that's in the scotch style and it's fantastic. Um, Like I've actually, it's really cool. If you live here, you can sign up to be on a bottling crew. And then if you get picked, you go in on a Friday or a Saturday and you spend half the day there bottling for them and you, you know, get one of eight or 10 jobs like you're either you know putting the labels on or you're uh uncorking the empty bottles so they can be filled or you're using the filler or you're using the heat gun to shrink wrap them closed or something like that and at the end of your half day you get lunch and a bottle to take home or whatever you're bottling that day so that's kind of cool i did that the day i got back from imts last time and it was fantastic it was like what a, a excellent way to round out the week (laughs) so um yeah that's as far as drinks go i'm more of a water person than any anybody though too i I drink i mean i'm not doing 75 hard but i drink about a gallon a day at work dude i don't know if i'm excited to go down there 
to see how hot it is and see how much more water I consume. Oh man, it is so terrible right now too. Like it has been just unbelievably hot. It was like really stormy like the other day, wasn't it? Uh, Yeah, well we get monsoons every year. Um, But like this year, I think we've gotten like 15% or 20% of the rain that we usually get this time of year. It's just been terrible. Um, like it, it's what seven o'clock right now, and it's probably still over a hundred degrees. Yeah, it's one hundred and six right now. The other day, it was weird. Washington, it was like ninety degrees out, and it was twelve o'clock at night. And I was like walking around, and I'm like, I'm sweating, and I'm just like outside, like and it's completely dark. Ugh, yeah, it, it, it's been just terrible. Um, yeah, it looks like it won't be under 100 degrees at least through the second right now. Every day will be over 100 for its, its high. So that's fun. Lovely. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. What other questions we got? T5 Manufacturing said, what is the most frustrating thing about Fusion 360 cam to you? You go first. I have to think on this. Um, I hate it when the updates break something really is what it comes down to. And yeah, uh, that's really it. Like, I, I don't know, like for all the, the complaining I have done in the past about fusion, it's like still a, a really solid program. And like, if you complain about fusion crashing, you clearly have forgotten what other CAD cams do as well. Because you know what? I use SolidWorks all day at my day job, and it crashes just as much, if not more, than Fusion does. I would say the only thing for me is I have a problem, it seems, sometimes where, you know, you'll have, let's say, I'll have Fusion open on my desktop, and I go downstairs, and I open it on my laptop, and it's like, it says, like, basically, you've got to shut one of them down. Do you want to, like, or suspend this or whatever? And I've had problems where, like, that's just basically screwed me and like I couldn't open fusion on anything. Really? Yeah. And it was really frustrating. And after uninstalling and reinstalling and restarting and all the normal stuff you would do, I got it working, but I just very sure that like, okay, fusion's open up here. Let's exit out. Let's wait five minutes and then let's go boot it up. Yeah. Oh, the other thing I will say is that I hate, Every, I don't know, third or fourth update, it seems like Fusion will just overwrite all of my preferences. So like recently, all of my defaults for all my toolpaths were screwed up. Um, all of my like units were screwed up, everything. And so I had to go back through and reset everything. Um, I don't know why. I don't know what's going on, but it drives me nuts. So... But for the most part, I really enjoy it. It's super easy to use. Um, I don't know. I, I'd love to play with some other stuff, though. Like I talk, talking to Greg about NX or um, Jake about Power Mill or stuff like that. Like I, I would love to experiment some more. But 30 days with either of those softwares is not enough. Like I'll just end up getting frustrated and, and hating them if I only have 30 days to play with them. So that's the problem. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Fort also asked how to find new customers. Advertise, hand out business cards, Instagram, (laughs) talk to people, open your mouth. Yeah, 
I, I think all of my customers have been just talking to people. I've done zero advertising. Um, and it's all just word of mouth, like do good work and people will talk about you. Then he says machine shop insurance. Yeah, I've had a few people actually reach out to me and ask like what we're using for insurance and who insures us. And um, I, I don't know, like I, I think it's a lot harder in certain places to get insurance than others. Like I've got a general policy and added my machine to it and all that here fairly easily through farmers. Um, but then I was talking to somebody else who was like, oh, yeah, they like needed all this extra documentation and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't remember any of that. Like it, it was super easy for us to set up. Um, so I, I, I don't really have much opinion on it because it was so easy and Brad just took care of it. Like it, I, I didn't need any information or to give him any information. Um, and it just, it just happened. So I don't know. Yeah. Kind of same way. Who do you use for insurance? I honestly don't know. <laughs> That's how easy it was. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember a couple years ago, my mom helped me set it up. But other than that, I need to... I know there was... Like you mentioned, there was... I remember because there was two insurances, insurance companies. And one of them was like you were saying. They needed all this documentation. And they were more expensive. And I was just like, this just seems like too much like why do you need to know some of these things um and just ended up going with the one that was that basically has done that for small machine shops in the area so i was like yeah that's kind of a no-brainer yeah i do know that our insurance company was adamant they were like okay we won't insure you if you're making automotive parts or if you're making guns interesting and like brad was like well we're a job shop so like we might touch those industries, but like we we're not outset to make either of those. And they're like, okay, that's that's good, I guess. Um, huh. I, I, if I remember right, they weren't very happy about that, but um, yeah, they just were like, you cannot be gun manufacturers or automotive part manufacturers. And I think it's just the liability. Like, there's so much, such a significant more liability in those industries than anything else. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, let's see. Back to T5. He asked, did either of you finance your machines? If so, did you have a safety factor or margin for revenue above what your machine payment would be before biting the bullet? I so you did. I, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I did. Um, our, our speedio is financed and really it came down to looking at our monthly payment. Um, and Brad and I, like we were doing well we were making much more than our machine payment every month for i think we had set like six months like we wanted to do six months of of revenue that was like above above and beyond our machine payment and rent and overhead and all that stuff um and then on top of it like our machine payment if everything just if the bottom fell out of everything and we we lost our company we could afford the machine payment between the two of us every month like it would suck and we wouldn't want to do it, but like we wouldn't default on the loan. So safety wise, like we were doing all right. Yeah. Um, I think that's it, right? Yeah. I don't see any more. All right. Well, um, our guest next week is 
Paul Van Meter. I think I'm pronouncing his name right. And he is the co-founder of ProShop ERP, which is awesome. And he also owned a shop, I think it was called ProCNC for years. Um, and he just happened to reach out after I posted a picture on my stories of reading the E-Myth. And we ended up talking for like two hours um, over DM. And uh, once I, it was so funny because I didn't even know his name. And then finally, like at the end of two hours, he was like, oh, what's your name? And I was like, oh, Dylan. And he's like, oh, well, my name's Paul. And here's my email. And I was like, wait, are you Paul from Pro Shop? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I had actually uh, talked to him at my day job too about Pro Shop. And like, uh, it was just, it was such a weird turn of events. Um, so he's going to be on next week. We'll make a post about it. But he has, I mean, he's been running machines since before Peyton was born. And wow. <laughs> well, it's true. I think he said <laughs> that he started his shop in 93 or yeah. 96 something like that and so like i i was i felt like an, an ass but i was like oh yeah i was like six years old then he was like thanks he's i was like, like no, no he's like i wasn't <laughs> i was like no that's not what i meant like i was like I, I appreciate being able to learn from somebody with so much so much of uh experience <laughs> but uh anyway so yeah he, he's been running machines forever and we'll be able to talk to him both about running a job shop. Um, they created pro shop because they needed an ERP solution and didn't like what was on the market. So it'll be an interesting, it'll be interesting to hear how like a business owner goes from one business to another. Um, and I, I definitely want to hear more about pro shop too. Cause like of all the ERPs I've looked at both pro shop and, um, our other guests, ERP, uh, fulcrum were, the two that were really stuck out to me is like kind of forward looking and, and much more job shop or organized than other ones. So definitely look for that next week. Uh, look for our post announcing the winners to our WTP meme competition. That'll be coming this week as well. Probably depending on when this comes out, probably this weekend. Um, and definitely look for our posts. We will let you know when you can buy new t-shirts once we test them out. Other than that, we'll see you guys next week.